everybody, and welcome to episode 75 of season three of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Sean Morgan. I am joined by two of the most hosts that you will ever meet, Caleb Walgren, Derek Rusnick. How are you guys doing today? I, I, I allowed the listeners to insert their own adjectives uh, there, so hopefully they inserted some good ones for you guys. Is this a Mad Lib where <laughs> we need to figure out... Uh, Fantastic. No, <laughs> here's what we need to do. We need to record an episode, right, where we just pause in between certain, like, sentences, <laughs> and then we poll people on Twitter to give us the words that they want us to insert. We just go back in, we edit, we add those words, and we have created the greatest podcast idea uh, that I think there could ever be. So yeah, we just don't even need to do Brody Sports Talk anymore. We're just going to be Brody Mad Libs. <laughs> uh, not quite though we are here to talk um, NFL power rankings uh, we are heading into week six so we're going to be doing our week six power rankings uh, if you've never listened to us before oh by the way kid do you want to kind of explain the the change that we're doing to the naming thing because I think that might be odd so we basically are doing it based off of the upcoming week instead of the past week uh, I noticed that typically when you're finding content that way, that it is somewhat of this look ahead instead of this look behind, even though we're looking back at what they have done and ranking them, we're also then numbering it off of what we're looking ahead at. So it's a little kind of kooky, but I think that naming it like most publications would name a power ranking makes the most sense. So we are changing that up officially. But one of the things that we're not changing is how we structure our power rankings. So we do things a little bit differently here on Brody Sports Talk. We still rank all teams 1 through 32 based on how good we think they are relative to each other across, you know, division, conference, etc. cetera. Uh, but we also split it into four distinct tiers, uh, classifications of teams based on how... Uh, close they are to the playoffs, essentially. So our top eight teams are considered the playoff tier. Um, our next eight teams are considered the aspiring tier, teams that are aspiring for the playoffs. The next eight is our wavering tier. These are teams that are potentially on the cusp of a playoff berth, but you know they're wavering for one reason or another. Then we have our basement tier. These are the teams that really don't have a chance, as it stands right now, of any postseason glory. So without further ado, let's dive into our playoff tier. Coming in at number one, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL. Not a statement I think anybody thought they were going to make after five games. Uh, coming in at number two, the Buffalo Bills, three Tampa Bay Buccaneers, four Los Angeles Rams, five Los Angeles Chargers, uh, six. I think it's the first time we've had the L.A. teams back to back. I don't think I've ever said that in the history of us doing this podcast. So they, they might've been last week when you were on assignment. Oh, if they, uh, that is terrible. But I missed, I, I missed the, this, this cherished moment uh, coming in at number six, the green Bay Packers seven Dallas Cowboys and eight, the Baltimore Ravens. So we are actually, unfortunately of the playoff tier teams to talk about this week. There are a lot of, um, I think cool storylines. Like I said, you know, the Cardinals still undefeated. 
the Bills had a monster, monster performance against a team that, you know, were the, were the odds on favorite to make the Super Bowl again this season. Um, I mean, the Chargers and Rams getting the business done, but we are, especially like the Ravens Monday Night Football, we are going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They are 4-1. and one. They have wins over the 4-1 and one Chargers, 3-2 and two Panthers, 2-3 two and three Eagles, 1-4 and four Giants. I'm going to stop myself. Caleb, you wanted to say something, and I interrupted you. I saw uh, you take that little, little like, breath, and then I'm sorry, so please. It, it was it was just a sigh. We're, we're having to talk about Dallas. Oh, okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. I, I feel the same way. We're... we're feel like we're occasionally obligated to talk about Dallas but I would I prefer not to talk about them in the playoff tier yeah I like talk about them in like the basement tier I loved it when we were talking about them in the basement tier last season that was good stuff um but they are four and one like I said four and one wins over the Chargers Panthers Eagles and then the hapless one and four Giants their only loss coming to the Bucks um in the opener in which they were very competitive so my question for you guys is you know the the Cowboys have started hot in seasons past or they've had hot streaks where it still feels like they're winning uh, almost in spite of themselves it doesn't really seem like that's happening here so does this Cowboys team pass the eye test for you based on these opening five games and their next stretch of five are um, at the Patriots then they have a bye week uh, at the Vikings hosting the Broncos Falcons and then traveling to Kansas City uh, to play the Chiefs. So after 10 games, where do you see this team as well? So do they pass the eye test? And after starting 4-1, and one, what do you think their record ends up being after 10? Uh, Derek, we'll actually go with you first on this. Yeah, so for me, because the Oklahoma market, we get one of two teams, either the Cowboys or the Browns, even though the Broncos are much closer to Oklahoma. <clears throat> I've watched a lot of Cowboy football, unfortunately, um, and they've passed my eye test. So they have two backs they know how to use properly. Um, when one isn't on, the other one is. Uh, Dak is a man on fire and lives up to the money that he made. Uh, Jerry Jones' hand does not get a cramp when he's writing checks, clearly. The the defense is so much more improved than I would ever give it credit for. Um, and they play in the one of the worst divisions in uh, sports, period. Yeah, looking at you, Sean. Looking down. You need a little, little box over there. Um, uh, yeah, big, so big words from somebody on a two-game skid. That being said, um, I think the the Cowboys can beat the football team. I think they can beat the Giants. And worst case scenario, they split with the Eagles. Um, So I think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's what their tier is for right now. Um, After 10 games, I see them with at least seven wins, probably closing in on eight I would think so, you know, one with the um, the Buckaroos, they, uh, they, they have that loss, but I think they can beat the Vikings. I think they can beat the Falcons. I think they're going to give the Chiefs everything 
that they can stand and uh, you know going to Foxborough is tough for any team because Bill Belichick knows how to um, put together a game plan so you know let's say the 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 Patriots game is a toss-up with the Broncos coming to Jerry World I think the Broncos lose that game and so I think the Chiefs are a toss-up so we're looking at seven or eight wins first 10 weeks and I think there's so they're solidly in um, the two three seed probably of a you know, probably the three seed of the the, the playoffs dang well uh so caleb for you do these cowboys do them boys pass the eye test uh and you know starting four and one after this next stretch of five what's their record so it it pains me to say these positive things about the cowboys (laughs) but yes they do pass the eye test part of what has made them look so much different this year and in seasons past is I feel like Mike McCarthy took less control over what they are doing offensively and is leaning a little bit more on Kellen Moore. I don't know if it's because it's their second year working together or what it is. This offense went back to, Hey, let's run the ball and make people stop the run. And Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard have been awesome. Like, I mean, it's a great one-two tandem to have. And, I mean, that's what you do when you can go take it to the Chargers. I mean, they're limiting the other team's possessions. Then, Trayvon Diggs, I feel like, I knew that he was good last year. This year, he looks like he's arguably one of the best cornerbacks in football. It's kind of disgusting, some of the things that you're seeing him do on that side of the ball. Uh, I... I don't know if everyone saw it, that pick that he had where he just went up and high pointed the ball against the Giants defender where it basically looked like he was a wide receiver and the Giants player was the corner. I mean, that was one of the best interceptions I've seen in a long time. So with them running the ball and Trayvon Diggs being potentially a defensive player of the year candidate feels very weird to say about the sophomore season for him. The Cowboys definitely passed the eye test to me. Now, to get to your second question, as far as those next five are concerned, I don't necessarily think that the Cowboys won't be favored in all of them. I think that they drop one because it's the NFL and games are not played on paper. Which game that is, I, I don't know right now. I think Patriots don't really stand a chance because their offense is just really inept and Dallas is going to be able to score on them. Don't get me wrong, I know it's at Foxborough, but they haven't played well there. They almost just choked to the Texans. I don't think that the Patriots are who we thought they were when the season started. So, I mean, you could say, pick one, and they, they drop it to the Vikings because the Vikings have played everyone really close and sneak one on them at the end. You could say the Broncos because the Broncos have probably the best defense they're going to face in those matchups. I don't think they lose to the Chiefs. I feel like the Chiefs essentially have to play uh, somewhat of a 
late 2010s OU Sooners game against the Cowboys where it's like we have to play every offensive possession perfectly and get a turnover or something <laughs> and then we will score enough points to win uh, that one will be a high score maybe not a exciting game but I also think Dallas's defense is better to make Chiefs make a mistake so I'm going to go 8-2 and two, uh, after after 10 games uh, that, that stings so i'm going to dissent from you guys a little bit and i promise this isn't biased this is just me paying a decent amount of attention to the division um they kind of passed the eye test for me my biggest fear is a reversion in play calling once they are stymied on the ground we saw it a bit against the bucks and i get that that was the opener but when they're not able to establish the run um, I would say consistently, uh, then we start to see some a uh, little bit more predictable play calling. And I actually think we're probably going to see this happen at first against the Patriots, who in pretty much every game this season, aside from against the Bucks, which was a bit of a surprise, have been fairly decent against the run. Uh, and defensively, Diggs has been having a fantastic season but they've been giving up a lot of yards, uh, especially through the air. Uh, Diggs has almost been kind of a feast or famine type guy. He's that um, that big play player. He's going to get those picks. He's going to dissuade people from targeting him. But he's not a shutdown corner by any stretch. Uh, he, is, he has surrendered a few decent-sized plays this season. So I feel like the Cowboys are trending in a much more positive direction than I think a lot of people expected. But at the same time, there are still some hesitancies that I have that I need to see them overcome. I need to see them overcome a game where they, they are shut out on the ground, where both Zeke and Pollard have a bad game and Dak and this prolific you know, uh, wide receiver core get the job done. Or a game where, you know, maybe the offense just isn't clicking, but defensively they go through and shut down a team. I think, um, like, traveling to Minnesota is probably a good example. That Minnesota team can sometimes just completely turn up offensively. And so we'll need to, if maybe during that game the offense just sputters, We'll see what happens there. So I think this is actually a very interesting stretch of games for the Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to lean on them going 7-3. and three. I think they they pick up two losses during this stretch. Because, you know, on paper, the Falcons game looks like the easiest. Um, you know, the Broncos are on a bit of a skid. But I think they're, you know, they are still defensively a, a sound team. The Patriots and Vikings are can perform better than their record. And by week 11, I would hope that the Chiefs have figured out some way, shape, or form to fix whatever the heck is going on with them to where, you know, it's a more competitive game. So I think somewhere in there, they pick up some losses, but I don't think they fall off completely. And I do feel like they are, you know, very easily, not just on paper, but in execution, the best team right now in the NFC East. Uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next tier of teams. So these are teams 9 through 16. This is our aspiring tier. Uh, coming in at number 9, we have the Cleveland Browns, 10 Cincinnati Bengals, 
they had both Ohio teams in the top ten. That's um, it's I, weird. That's uh, I think that might be a first actually. Um, oh no, I mean it wouldn't be uh, we've released this season anyway because I mean it happened probably in the last couple of weeks. Uh, coming in at eleven, Tennessee Titans, twelve, Carolina Panthers, thirteen, the Kansas City Chiefs. 14 Chicago Bears, 15 New Orleans Saints, and rounding out the aspiring tier, but probably going to be falling uh, a decent amount, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, before we talk about the team that we have picked for this, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, let's take a quick aside. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the situation with the Raiders, guys. I mean, Absolutely. I, I think it, uh, I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Um, do you, do you want to go ahead and, and open the, open the floor on this one, Caleb? So just to clarify the news that has come out, uh, the New York times did a lot of great writing on this and it somewhat appears that John Gruden might be being offered up slightly as a, a bit of a sacrificial lamb by the NFL because there's a whole lot that could be going on here. But basically Gruden was working for Monday Night Football at the time and said a whole lot of horrible things. Uh, so if you are a woman, he said something degrading about that. He said bad things about the LGBTQ community. He said bad things about different races. He... Basically, if you were going to stereotype someone in a completely negative way, uh, John Gruden was doing it. And he was doing this, and this came out as part of the NFL's investigation into the then Washington Redskins, now Washington football team, in emails that Gruden was sending to then team president say it's Bruce Allen. I, I know it's Allen. I could be messing that first name up. But it's kind of a question of, well, if he was saying all of this, what else do we not know about the Washington football team? Also, at the same time, John Gruden resigned as the head coach of the Raiders, which is the right thing to do. I mean, he has no business uh, beating a group of young players in that locker room who I would say clearly don't see eye to eye with him on those range of topics. I'm sure Carl Nassib uh, doesn't agree with him uh, on those topics. And uh, it's going downhill quickly for Gruden. I think that it should. I think some of my bigger question is what else is to come. Uh, I know the Bucks are even taking him out of their ring of honor. That was one of the last things announced today which clearly when you're doing dishonorable things, you don't deserve to be in a ring of honor. I mean, that, that kind of fits. There's um, just no place for that in today's game or today's connections or today's society, really. Uh, we strive to always be voting the best in people. Here at Brody Sports Talk, we try to promote mental health, uh, living your best life, being who you are, and being that freely, whether that is a person of color or whether that is, you know, 
who you love. You have the right to live freely in this country and you should not be treated separately. Uh, John Gruden was clearly not treating people without discrimination. That's the, the clearest and cleanest way to put it on us trying to stay uh, family friendly. Uh, if you need to know, or, well, I don't know that you need to know, but if you're curious about more of what was actually written, I would encourage you to go check the New York Times article out. I went and looked at it today. It was not behind a paywall because I think they just want people to have access to that information. Um, so uh, let, me, let me go to Derek on this one. Derek, is there anything else that you kind of want to add about Gruden before we talk about what eventual fallout we might see from the NFL? So I am, am generally against... Uh, people losing their job for dumb stuff they've done in the past. Um, I, I forgive and forget quite uh, quite quickly. If you have done something stupid in a night of passion or drunk, something like that, if it did not kill someone, generally we can all have our uh, reconciliation session and say, I'm sorry, I'm getting help. All that kind of stuff. This is a repeated and on paper, email is a form of paper. Um, you can't do you can't do this. This was not okay when he did it. This is not okay in 2021. And this it hasn't been okay in the entirety of his life. Please go away and never show up ever again. I don't want to see your QB schools. I don't want to see you in Monday Night Football. I don't want to see you coach Little League. Please leave the game of football, and we will be better for it. Yeah, I, w I would agree with that. It definitely is a disturbing pattern of behavior is where I completely hear you there, and I agree with that. Um, John, do you want to touch on Gruden more, or do you want to maybe talk about what this could mean for... Uh, the Washington football team as, I mean, the, there's already a lawsuit to get the rest of the emails opened up to the public. I think one of the things that we forget um, is just how much of a good old boys club the NFL is. And I legitimately don't think that a lot of this would have seen the light of day had Gruden not said something about Roger Goodell. Like, legitimately, I, I feel like of all the egregious things that Gruden said in this series of emails, uh, pretty much all of which individually would have been it's a, a scandal on, on its own, that what it likely took for this to happen is him basically bad-mouthing Goodell and calling him some derogatory terms, which, I mean, let's be honest. People have said worse things about you know better people and it's it's no uh you know calling goodell that uh fans have done worse much worse but like you said at the very beginning this feels like a scapegoat situation this feels like them forcing gruden to fall on the sword and because of that you know some of what's going to happen with washington may not really uh transpire the way I think a lot of people would like 
because it's a lot it's a lot easier to go after a guy that you pay and a much tougher to go after the guy that you know basically writes the paychecks that is you know a contributor to the massive good old boy system that is the NFL so I'm interested to see what the fallout is but I have a feeling it's not going to be what a lot of people would like this is absolutely no uh, I I think the worst thing here um, you know for you know, the people I feel the the sorriest for in all of this are Raiders fans who had just started to believe right uh, I mean, a lot of the people that Gruden's insulted and, you know, said awful things about in these emails, a lot of these uh, people have heard, they've heard worse, right? They've heard worse um, from people that actually matter. But, you know, this is a Raiders team that's seen, uh, you know, has one of the worst records in the NFL over the last 20 years. And it almost seemed like they were just starting to to turn over a new leaf and maybe this you know, this 10-year deal with Gruden was actually going to pan out. And now they're thrown right back into the same uncertainty uh, in a huge way that, you know, they've seen, you know, multiple times since, you know, they made the Super Bowl against a, um, you know, uh, against the Bucks. So I, I just, it sucks. It sucks that this is the situation. But you know, I just as a Tennessee Volunteers fan, I never want to hear another groomer. Um, hmm. I hope Heupel succeeds. I keep keep this man as far away from any football organization as possible because it's clear that he is a toxic presence no matter where he goes. Uh, well, that said, do you want to talk about uh, some power rankings, guys? <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh divert for the time being let's talk about the chiefs so chiefs coming in at number 13 um they've meandered in this aspiring tier the last couple of weeks and you know you would say they're probably the strongest two and three team but what does that really mean right so the the greatest show on turf the 2000 the 99 2000 uh you know at the time the st louis rams uh they averaged seven yards per play in route to running roughshod over the entire NFL. This season, the Chiefs have surrendered an average of 7.1 yards per play. That isn't good, guys. That is not what I would call strong defensive play. When you're making, you know, combined all of your opponents look like one of the most prolific offenses in NFL history, there is something wrong. Even in games that they've won, Right, because I mean, I watched the the Chiefs Eagles game. You know, they surrendered 300 plus yards in the air. They allowed opposing running backs to average above five yards per carry, and in some cases, both you know, like lead rushers um, on their respective teams averaged above five yards a carry. Mahomes is showcasing the regression I think that people were potentially expecting out of Josh Allen this season in regards to some decision making. And in regards to, you know, just watching a play break down and not being able to get anything out of it. So my question for you guys is, have teams found the blueprint to beating the Chiefs? <laughs> and how do the Chiefs turn this around? Uh, so, Caleb, we're going to go with you first. So 
I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I think that there is a blueprint to beating the Chiefs. And it's that you just go out there, run your offense, and look amazing. And <laughs> you happen to, you know, score a lot more than you would expect. Now, I know that the three losses that the Chiefs have are all the respectable teams in the Ravens, Bills, and Chargers. Think that if you're an above average team, you you have something that you do that is above average. So let's say you have an above average defense. You get the Chiefs to cough the ball over once or twice. If you have an average offense, you should be able to go down and score because the Chiefs are giving it up. I think that the blueprint is at least accessible. I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire being out really hurts them even more. I think that they're missing Sammy Watkins more than anyone imagined. And I think that the rebuild on the offensive line is still a work in progress. What I think needs to happen for the Chiefs, I mean, people are basically saying, okay, we're, we're not going to let you beat us deep. You've got to be patient, move the ball slowly and more methodically down the field. Chiefs just need to accept it. Like, maybe Patrick Mahomes needs to play a little less hero ball because he's kind of looked a little bit like the goat and not the goat like him and Brady on the cover of Madden Goat. The goat like he's the one that's blowing the game. Uh, you know, he's had some really ugly interceptions. That's coming from someone who watched Brett Favre play for a lot of years. Uh, I know what it's like to see someone throw some interceptions. Holmes has thrown some terrible ones. And is is it something every team can do? No. I think that a lot of teams can do it defensively. The Chiefs are still going to score some. They're still way up there in points per game. But they're also giving up the most points per game. And that's not going to be able to work if they need to turn this around no it's not sustainable um, i'll go ahead and step in here and i i think that you know there are two things that really stand out to me um clearly tyron matthew is being missed like no other uh and i think that uh daniel Sorensen is probably one of the worst defenders in the nfl right now uh i mean i was reading that he is currently allowing when targeted uh, uh, passer rating of 127.9 and he's allowing an average of 12.1 yards per reception uh, this is this isn't good right uh, a lot of teams have you know basically one or two pass catchers that are at least good at exploiting mismatches and can physically force you know a a catch in you know in tight space or run at least solid enough routes Sorson just looks like he's missed a beat he's missing a beat athletically and he's missing a beat mentally uh, I don't know how the Chiefs fix that right I mean yeah you could throw him on the bench but then what I mean it's not like with injuries you have a tremendous amount of depth right now and really that's the same case on either side of the ball but, you know, with Mahomes' regression, I think, and the lack of 
And, you know, some of it's play calling, right? There are games where people were getting really frustrated that Edward Hilaire wasn't seeing enough of the ball. But, you know, Mahomes is making poor decisions this season because he feels like he has to do more. And I really feel like that attitude has spread itself around. And you have a lot of players who had a huge amount of confidence making back-to-back Super Bowls that almost look like they don't really belong out there, you know, in the same breath as some of these playoff tier teams. Uh, Derek, what are what are your takes on the Chiefs' struggles? How do they fix this? Yeah, the Chiefs are going to chief. Um, by the end of the year, they'll be playoffs. And by the end of the year, they will be fighting the Chargers for that number one spot in the AFC West. They'll get it figured out. Um, I believe in Andy Reid. And, um, you know, still early in the season, you can make changes. I think the Chiefs are going to chief and uh, they'll be fine at the end of the year. Chiefs going to chief. I like that. I like that. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our wavering tier. These are teams 17 through 24. Coming at 17, we have the San Francisco 49ers, 18 Denver Broncos, 19 Seattle Seahawks, 20 Philadelphia Eagles, 21 Minnesota Vikings, 22 Pittsburgh Steelers, 23 New England Patriots, rounding out our wavering tier at 24, the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I want to actually talk about the Falcons a bit. They did pick up their second win of the season. Um, they beat another uh, New York team. If only they could play New York teams... Uh, you know, every game, they would be undefeated. Uh, but, you know, it was decided by a possession or less, and they've been blown out um, twice by the Eagles and Bucks. This is a team you don't really know what you're getting, right? You don't really know what you're getting with them. Uh, they're hard to predict week in and week out. Sometimes they'll look incredibly competitive. Matt Ryan will look great. That offense will be clicking. Cordero Patterson was a huge surprise for, I think, uh, just about everybody, including, you know, a one fantasy owner who picked him up. Uh, you know, really, really late in his dynasty league and then dropped him after uh, one week to free up some space and then regrets it immensely. Uh, I won't name any Sean names or anything, but, um, you know, we've seen all of this inconsistency and we've seen it last year. We, we saw it a year before. We've seen this inconsistency so many times with the Falcons. Um, what is the problem, right? What is the problem here? Uh, I actually go ahead and take a, the uh, initial stab at this. Um, and I think it's culture. I think it's a, uh, it, it maybe has really bled into this roster. Uh, we could point the finger at ownership and say that, you know, blank is sometimes a little bit too passive to make significant changes. And that's caused, uh, you know, this culture to stagnate a bit and these players to never really feel like they are good enough uh, to compete. You know, we could say the problem is Matt Ryan because he's been there for so long. And, you know, as the signal caller for, you know, a franchise, you are looked at as sometimes the cultural representative of the team. Uh, You know, we could point out how they really haven't been the same since 28 to 3 and maybe they just won't quite recover from it whatever the case is i feel like there might need to be a pretty big sweeping change we thought that was going to be getting rid of this coaching staff and bringing or the old coaching staff and bringing in somebody new you know getting getting a fresh start i know it's early uh i know that you could say, okay, well, you know, the Falcons are two and three. That's a game out of 500 after five games. You know, 
Like you're, I think they're heading into a bye this week. So, you know, they still have time to regroup and you could be right. But I just, I don't know what the exact cause of this cultural issue is in Atlanta, but I do feel like that is the reason for their inconsistency. Um, Derek, do you have any takes on that? Or do you feel like there maybe is a more concrete issue that you can pick out? Yeah, I will take the cultural piece. Um, I think that uh, their former coach did not have a strong enough will in order to lead um, men as well as as he did. Um, Sooner or later, you're going to not be able to do the things that you used to do, and it's all your show. I'm hoping that Arthur Smith learned some stuff while he was in Tennessee on how to be a strong-willed leader of uh, NFL, NFL players and not just uh, passively call an offense and call it good enough. Um, I'm happy to see that Kyle Pitts finally got his first touchdown. Um, shows something that uh, the, the Falcons are going to lean on for years to come, hopefully keeping uh, Pitts there and being the uh, secondary face of the franchise because until... Maddie leaves. Um, he's going to be the face of the franchise. Um, I just don't know that they have the personnel to run Arthur Smith's um, philosophy right now. And so they look bad because they're trying to run that offense. And, um, you know, it might take a, a year or two for them to turn it around. Caleb? I think that the issues are less on the offensive side of the ball and more on the defensive side of the ball. They are in the bottom fives in terms of points allowed per game. And it's tough. I have a little bit of a tough time because there's part of me that says they they are riding that fence between two and three and what could have been three and two if they would have held on against the Washington football team a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, you mentioned their two games they got blown out. Those were the Eagles and the Bucks. Those were their first two games, and I think that they're still getting a few things under their belt. So I'm not ready to write off the season for the Falcons quite yet. I do want to kind of sit and explore more of what is happening, but the thing that makes me leery is just their defense. You know, even if I go now and double check their defensive depth chart. I go, okay, I recognize Grady Jarrett. No, A.J. Terrell, because he was a number one pick and like a first rounder. I know Deion Jones, barely. Like, there's there's not there's not people on that defense that you know. And, you know, offensively, it's still Matt Ryan. Still a lot of the holdovers from before. They didn't have a whole lot of rebuild ability right from the get-go know that they like Kyle Pitts clearly they took him number four overall it's part of me that wishes they could have found a way to trade down and start over a little bit differently uh acquire more draft picks rebuild the roster more I think that it's just a I don't so I'm not saying that they can't still win some games. I just don't know that they have the depth. I think that unless someone comes out of nowhere, 
to really help the defense, it's going to struggle most of the year. You don't want Matt Ryan in shootouts. He's not Matty Ice that he was a few years ago. So I don't know that I would jump in completely with culture at this point. I really do think that it's a it's a new system. It's a new scheme. You know, there were still a lot of people like holding out from training camps. People didn't play a lot in the preseason. They looked horrible in their first two games, but they've looked a little bit better going forward each week. I, and I think that's a fair take. I, I just, again, this is one of those situations where we've seen such long-standing, very similar problems. And eventually, I feel like the fingers get pointed different directions. And you just have to wonder if the problem isn't cumulative rather than individual. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's finish this off. Let's talk about our basement tier teams. Uh, coming in at number 25, the Indianapolis Colts. 26, Washington football team. 27, Houston Texans. 28, New York Giants. 29, Miami Dolphins. 30, New York Jets. 31, Detroit Lions. And coming in at number 32, once again, the uh, 0-20 since they made that infamous tweet, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, who I don't think a lot of people that aren't named Sean suspected would be in the basement tier uh, this early in the season. But here they are. Uh, they are 1-4. They have not looked good. Did we lose you, Sean? At all. Oh, well, well, there we go. Okay, I think I got it fixed. Um, so, yes, the, the Dolphins, uh, they look bad, right? They have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL right now. Um, defensively, they've, you know, coming into the season, they were expected to be excellent. They have been anything but. Brady just completely torched them uh, in that secondary. They have injuries galore. They're competing with the Jets for the AFC East basement. So my question for you is... In your opinion, are the Dolphins thus far through five games of the season the NFL's biggest disappointment? So, uh, Derek, we'll go with you first. Yeah, I mean, if you want to put all those things together, then yes, I think the Dolphins are biggest drop for me when it comes to where they were projected versus where they are. Um, I thought that they could uh, definitely fight the Patriots for the the second best in the the east um you know for years upon end now the patriots have been the kings of that that division bills come in they're the they're the new hot stuff and i thought that we would see the dolphins uh you know fight for that division uh, or at least the playoff spot um the injuries have just racked up and brian, brian flores is a a great defensive coach and just is not showing it this season so uh, I actually do feel like they're the biggest disappointment right now because I think that there was so much momentum that went into this season for a lot of Dolphins fans, a lot of people around the NFL. felt like this was the year that they make that leap from being, you know, a playoff, um, you know, basically from being an aspiring tier team to being a playoff tier team. They had answered a lot of questions defensively. Tua was, you know, is he going to be the answer? He seemed like he's playing okay. Is his health going to hold up? They got some young weapons around him. You know, is his offensive line going to hold up? And really a lot of their losses, you could say, it's a personnel thing. People are banged up. 
This isn't, you know, the ideal offense for them. But in a lot of ways, this defense hasn't been very well coached. And to me, in comparison to if you look at the other teams that have faltered, I think, early on, you could say, well, you know, the Chiefs, but the Chiefs, I mean, they're still still just one game out, 500. Uh, And, you know, I, I, I feel like there was so much more that was expected of this Dolphins team. And we just, I, I don't see how they turn it around, to be quite honest. I think that this is a very tough conference. And, you know, they, pray, especially, you know, if you look at the AFC North, the Dolphins, poor start. Even if they do turn it around, they may have just played themselves out of a, a playoff berth because they sure as heck ain't winning the division. And, you know, like Derek said, there are enough other good AFC teams you know, with the, the the Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers, and then looking at the, you know, the Steelers could bounce back a bit, but you look at the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns, what are you going to do? Like, yeah, I just, I don't see it. Uh, Caleb, what is your takeaway? So when you asked the question, I was kind of torn between two teams, and the Miami Dolphins are one of those teams. They have the, the worst point differential in the league, yeah, they won one game when they had to uh they won by a point against the Patriots who also are I would say underwhelming uh, so far this year no one is thinking that the Patriots are world beaters by any means I mean heck they uh, just beat the Texans by three points that's it's hardly world beaters and the other team that that I at least need to have in the discussion it's a lot of the same narrative Defense was good last year or great last year. Uh, injury at quarterback, and that's the the Washington football team. Washington football team is literally 31st in points allowed per game this year. We're only doing better than the Chiefs. You know, I think that there was a lot of just talk before the season where I said, Look, if the defense can stay around the same and they get better quarterback play out of Patrick or now Heineke, I mean, their, their offense has been average. That's all we needed from them their defense last year. Their offense just needed to get to average. Yeah. It did. Their defense is trash. And so I, I have a tough time because you go – I mean – whether you want to call it the Dolphins defense, I mean, Xavier Howard had 10 picks last year. That That's not going to be sustainable. Um, if you want to go with the Washington football team and what that defensive line just did to teams last year and now they're not stopping anyone. I think if anything, I'm just going to go with the fact that defense is far more fickle from year to year than we might expect. Um, so it's kind of where I'm landing on this, but I think that it's, if you're going to ask me to pick between the two, I'll I'll lean and say that the Dolphins are slightly more disappointing. But I also think that you have four games with Jacoby Brissett as, well, three games with Brissett as a starter. You're hoping to not go 0-3, but it, it happened. I mean, Brissett is not too... Uh, yeah, and and I think that's a that's a good fair comparison. I, I think it really is pretty pretty neck and neck between the two, and they are both in the basement tier. 
So, you know, <laughs> there's at least justification for, for both of them having, you know, pretty much fallen off of a, uh, up of a cliff in different ways to start the season. Uh, but that's it. That's it for us uh, here on our week six power rankings. Uh, I do always uh, want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to please, please subscribe to us on whatever platform it is that you listen to Brody Sports Talk, or in YouTube's case, watch Brody Sports Talk. If whatever it is you listen to or watch us on gives you the option to leave a comment or leave a review, please do so. We always appreciate the feedback. Uh, honest feedback is the best type of feedback. So if you think that we're doing a great job, tell us. If we could do a little bit better, please let us know that as well. Uh, we can also, uh, you know, uh, we would love to see some some merch being picked up. Uh, you can find everything that we have in regards to our social media and our merch on our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. Uh, for those of you out there who remember, it is not Brody Talk. It is Brody Talk. And uh, that, again, wraps it all up. Uh, Caleb, Derek, any final thoughts before we call it another Power Rankings edition? I love power rankings. I do too. So good. So good. Um, well, Caleb isn't saying anything. So on that note, uh, on behalf of Caleb and Derek, my name is Sean. We are Brody Sports Talk. We are signing out. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.